here's, here's, here's why you, you have an old Bible. If you have that, put your finger there and then go back to Isaiah. Come on, somebody. Chapter 43, those with the digital digital Bible, you got to do one or the other, right? So um, uh, so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17, and then Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And if you don't have it, you trust that it's right on the screen. Come on, right? And so uh, can we give uh, our worship team a hand this morning? Come on, give them a hand. They did an awesome job. Give them... Just give them accolades today. So I, I want to speak to you today um, on this topic. Everyone say a new creation. Everyone say a new creation. How many are a new creation? All right. If you're saved by the blood of the Lamb, you are a new creation. All right. And uh, I love this this verse. And uh, I want you to to look at this today. Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. Thank you, Micah. Thank you so much. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says this right here. It says, therefore, everyone say, therefore. All right. Uh, now, when you see therefore in the Bible, you have to ask yourself, what is it there for? Okay. Honestly, when you see that word, you got to stop and say, this, this, there is something before this. And so there, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Amen. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Come on, let's read that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Come. Now, if you are saved by the blood of the Lamb, that ought to get you excited in this house this morning. Amen. And, and so look at this. In Isaiah, going back to Isaiah chapter 40, 43, verses 18 uh, and 19, it, it says this. I want you to look at this. Now, uh, I gave you one in the New Testament, and now I'm giving you uh, something in the Old Testament here. Now, Isaiah writing to the nation of Israel. And some things are written to uh, specifically historically to the nation Israel, but these things transcend to us also as well. Uh, some of them uh, are prophecies that were there for the now, but they also transcend to us today. But I want you to look at this. It says this, remember not, everyone say remember not, the former things, nor consider the things of old. What that really means is forget the past. Everyone say forget the past. Look what it says. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So I want to talk to you today about being a new creation, a new creation. Will you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, it is so anointed. Lord, the words of this book, God, are anointed. God, I pray today, Lord, that your anointing would begin to flow, God, that lives would be changed. God, that hearts would be moved by the, the reading of this word, God, that we would uh, know who we are in Christ, Lord. Lord, that we would stop believing the lies of the enemy. Lord, that we would, would just fall into line with what you have for us. 
God, I speak these things today. God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me. God, anoint my words, Lord, as I speak this today. God, let me be a conduit of your love and truth today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. In 2004, there was a movie that came out, and uh, some of you may be movie buffs, some of you may not be, but in 2004, there's this movie, it's a cult classic that came out in 2004 called Napoleon Dynamite. Anybody ever seen Napoleon Dynamite? All right, I'm not telling you to watch it, I'm just telling you it came out, but, uh, and, and, and it's, a, it's a very unique movie, a very low budget movie, and uh, somehow it, it, it brought a lot of money in, but whatever the case. Uh, but there's a character in this, in, this, in this movie, and his name is Uncle Rico. How many know who I'm talking about, Uncle Rico, right? And Uncle Rico uh, is, and the movie, uh, you know, the time frame, it doesn't really say when the movie is, but it's probably in the late 80s, early 90s kind of, kind of frame, time frame. But Uncle Rico is uh, the uncle to the main character, Napoleon Dynamite, and he comes to spend time with him and his brother because their grandma got hurt. I won't get into any of that, but, and so he's there. And Uncle Rico, uh, he has this, this syndrome where he always wants to, to talk about the past because his famous statement is, if it was 1982 again and I was out on the high school football field, if coach would have put me in the fourth quarter, we would have won state. Now, does that sound like some of y'all in here? Uncle Rico, you know, he, he is reliving his high school football dreams, and everything he does revolves around what happened in the past. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Uh, and, and he has all of this opportunity in front of him, but what is holding him back is he keeps trying to relive back what happened in 1982. I was one. I'm just saying, I was one. Matt was four. All right. So, so anyways, living in the past, right? Uncle Rico living in the past. But what is it, you know, something interesting about Uncle Rico, what is it about our past that always catches our attention? It always calls for our attention. It always has us looking back. You know, here's what I know. We can't move forward if we're looking back because what happens when you're not looking when you're moving forward? I, I, have, a, I have a friend, and he told us this story when I was young, that he, he went to my parents' church, and he was telling us this story. He said, I was walking down the street one day, and he said, and I saw a pretty girl, and I began to look at this pretty girl, and as I was walking down the street, I was not paying attention to where I was going, and he ran into a telephone pole. And that's what happens when we turn our attention from where we are going. The, the Bible says to focus our eyes on what is ahead. Amen. You know, it's okay to remember the past, but it's not okay to live in the past. Come on, somebody. Right? Oh, man, some of you say these things. Uh, you know, if I could go back to how they used to be. Anybody ever said that? I remember the good old days. Remember that song, Grandpa, tell me about the good old, right? We go back, go back to the to the good old days, and, and, and what about this, you know, the good old days. I used to say that in high school. I would always say tell, tell that to my best friend. I said, man, I, I miss the good old days. And he said, oh, really? Like when you were four or what? You know, was those the good old days or what? And, and but, you know, here's the, you know, a lot of us think, man, if I could just go back to when life was not as chaotic as it is now, has anybody ever thought that? 
Come on now. You can be honest in here, all right? Uh, my observation is the past is attractive because it's safer than the present. You know, that, that, I mean, that, there's a lot of truth in that. You know, you know why we want to go back? Because we already know what happened and the worst thing that happened there. We already know the details of it. But here in the present, I don't know what the future is. And sometimes that is scarier than just looking back. And see, our, our tendency is this. I have, I have a pastor friend, and, and we were talking about, uh, you know, taking steps of faith at one point, And he said this. He said, our tendency is this. When we're scared and when we have anxiety or when we're afraid to step forward in what God has for us, our tendency is to retract back to what we know rather than trust in God. Amen? And the problem is we can't move forward while we're looking backwards. So, so today I want to talk to you about leaving past baggage behind us, uh, you know, for better or for worse, and moving confidently into the present reality of God's provision for us. How many, how many want to move into what God has for us in 2023? Amen. For the 17 that agree with me right there, I, I'm with you right there. I, I, and I believe that God wants us to be a new creation. So I want to talk to two groups today. I want to talk to the saints, and then I want to talk to the people, to the ain'ts, okay? The saints and the ain'ts, the people that are saved and the people that need to be saved or are about to be saved, all right? I'm going to be a little prophetic and say it, all right? So, so here's the first thing. This is the first thing that we have to do. If we want to be a new creation, this is the first thing we have to do. We have to uh, uh, leave the past behind. We're leaving the past behind. Everyone say, leaving the past behind. In Exodus, I love this story. We're going to parallel this story in Exodus, the children of Israel, chapter 12, verse 31. Um, uh, Pharaoh, he, he sent for Moses and Aaron, and this is after the 10th the plague, the, the uh, death angel uh, during the night. And he says this to Aaron and Moses, and he tells the children of Israel, get out. He ordered, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord as you have requested. This is amazing to me. This is a, a great Great victory for the children of Israel. See, now, when we talk about Egypt, it is a picture, uh, when we talk about Egypt in Scripture, it is a picture of sin, okay? It's how, you know why, you know why Jesus came? He came to set us free from sin. The, the children of Israel were, were slaves to the Egyptians. They could not leave. They were stuck. I was a slave to sin. I once was lost, right? But then Jesus came, and the blood of Jesus washed me clean. And then I crossed, oh, come on now, I crossed into uh, an area that God wanted to take me, okay? So, but look at this. So Pharaoh tells them, he says, go. And at this point, the history, the Israelites were, were, were given freedom after 400 years of slavery to the Egyptians. Can you imagine just like that, it changes, you're free, amen? It's hard to imagine what, what people were feeling and, as they were packing their, their belongings and their home and their livestock. And, and they started walking off uh, towards the wilderness and towards the promised land. Can you imagine? I am finally free. I do not have to be a slave to these Egyptians. I am free, amen? And God gave them a huge victory over Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And he drowned them in the army in the Red Sea. Everyone say, yeah. All right, good. You guys are with me today. And they get to the other side of the Red Sea. And you know what they do? They have a praise break right then and there. 
And Miriam, she begins to, you know, use her tambourine, and they begin to sing, and they begin to give God praise for setting them free. Amen? That's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story. And, and, and here's what happens, okay? That happens in, in chapter 12. But, but then moving forward, okay, in, in, in the beginning of chapter 15, uh, you know, they, they, they do this praise break and they begin to worship the Lord. And it's easy to worship the Lord when he's given you the victory, amen? It's really easy. You know when it's hard to worship the Lord? When he's not answering your prayers the way you want him to answer your prayers. Right? Because there's, there's a difference there because then there's a trust thing. I may not have all the details, but I have to trust you, Lord. I may not know everything, but I still have to trust you. So, but, but look at this. In, in, in chapter 15, they, they get there, they, they, they're, they're thirsty, and, and, and they go to drink the water there, and the water is bitter, and, you know, God does a miracle. They throw a, they throw a tree down into the water, and it becomes sweet, and they're able to drink it. And everyone say, yeah, God. And then something new in chapter 16, they start complaining and grumbling. Come on, somebody, right? God gives you the victory. God gives you water. And then in chapter 16, my stomach is growling, Lord. I am a little bit hungry. I'm out here in the wilderness. And they're in the desert. And anybody ever been to the desert? Okay, I lived, I lived near the desert. Oh, come on now. You know what I'm talking. There's my California friend over there. Hey, we, 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 almost, we almost grew up together. We didn't even realize that. And God brought us to Indiana to meet, which is crazy. Uh, but in the desert, it gets hot. Where we come from in summertime, uh, from about April uh, or early May all the way to about October, it is about, it's triple digits almost every day. How many know that that's hot? That's hot. And so the children of Israel, they're in a desert place. And they're struggling, and it's and it, and it, and and they they're complaining and they're murmuring. Anybody ever murmured to the Lord? Let me ask you this: Anybody ever murmured to your spouse? Anybody ever murmured to your boss? Come on, somebody! And and, and this is what happened. This is what happened. They begin to complain. Lord, we don't have any food. Lord, we don't have any provision. God just drowned the Egyptian army. You were just praising Him. Gave you water, and now you're murmuring, and now you're complaining. God, I don't have anything. And this is what happens. When, when the trial hits, they begin to look in the rearview mirror instead of the windshield. It's what happens. They're driving along, and God's got them. I've got a destiny. I've got a purpose for you. And all they can do is look up at the rearview mirror, and they see Egypt back there. It's interesting to me, right? Uh, it's been said, uh, uh, if you're looking at life, you have to look through the windshield and not the rearview mirror. There's a reason that the windshield is larger than the rearview mirror because you are heading somewhere that's more important than where you have been. Amen? Listen to me, child of God. You are heading somewhere that's more important than where you have been. I love that. And some of you, some of you treat your past life like, like it's a life sentence and not a lesson. Some of you treat, I'll say that again. Some of you treat your past life like it's a life sentence, like you have to bear that thing and you have to hold on to that thing. But it should be a lesson that you learn from and you move from and you move on from, right? 
But here's the thing. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like if there's an electrical fence, right, electric fence. I remember the first time I touched an electric fence when I was eight years old. I was riding a bicycle with my friend, and we stopped to, to pet some horses, and I didn't know that the fence was electric. And he goes, man, that, that fence, it, it, it was weird when I touched it. And I said, it was it? And I, I did this. And I was like, you know. So I was like, oh, why did I do that? But here's the thing. I learned something that day. Look for those little plastic pieces when you're about to touch a wire, right? I learned something that day. Guess what I don't do? When I see those little plastic pieces, I don't do this. But some of us look at our trials and our, fa- and our past, and all we want to do is, like, go back to the same pain and hold on to it. This has defined me. And God's saying, hey, learn the lesson from it and move on. And the Israelites, they, they missed Egypt because here's, here's the thing. They, they were missing Egypt. And the reason they wanted to go back to Egypt is because they wanted to eat leeks and onions and garlic. They said, we can have all the leeks and the onions and garlic that we can handle. Why would you want to go to Egypt then? I like onions. I don't like them as a main course. I like garlic. I don't like it when you eat garlic because your breath stinks, right? But that's what they, they were more concerned. They're worried about, hey, we can go back. There's provision there. I don't have to worry. It's a safe place. Yeah, I may be in bondage, but I am safe. Wandering through the, the wilderness is hard, amen? You know what? You know why it was hard? Because it was different from what they were used to. And listen, if you're walking this thing out in freedom with the Lord, it's different than what you're used to. And you've got to neglect the things that make you feel safe. And like, well, I was more comfortable living in sin. You just got to trust God in the process. And and many of them simply wanted to, to return to the way that things used to be. Uncle Rico, Moses, if we could go back to 1982. I could throw a football over that mountain. That's what Uncle Rico says in that movie. And they say, hey, we want to go back. We want to return to the way things used to be. See, you know, does that sound familiar to any of you? Does that, does that sound like us? If I could just go back. Oh, don't think that you're any different than the Israelites. I'll give you a, a good example, you know. And, and this, happens, this happens to us. And, and I can tell you this has happened in my life. We come to church. We ask God to set us free, right? We come to the altar. God sets us free. We're saved by God's grace. God sets us free from drugs. God sets us free from alcohol. God sets us free from pornography and lies and depression and anxiety and sin. And and for a moment, God does that for us. And for a moment, we're like the children of Israel and we're praising God. And like, yeah, way to go, God. I'm all about this thing. But then this this is what happens on Sunday. That happens. Then on Monday, you get up. Right? Then on Monday, you get up and Monday morning hits, right? And you go into work and they say, hey, we're laying off people and you are one that we're laying off. Or you and your spouse get in a huge fight, right? Or you and your child, you, your, your child does something that disappoints you and you're frustrated and you're upset or you're tempted to be depressed or you don't even, and you don't even know why you're depressed and you're overcome with fear and anxiety, and you're tempted by what, what God has already delivered you from, but you're tempted to go back to it because it's comfortable. And, and it's a weight that, 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 that we left at the altar. And because we got our eyes in the past, we, 
man, it's just a little bit easier. I didn't have to worry. I didn't have to fight these battles. We want to go back. Everyone say, don't go back. But listen to what Paul says. I love this. Uh, um, listen to what he says, what Paul tells the church in uh, uh, the Galatian church in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And, and, and Linda Lavender, I, I still have that note that you gave me when I was doing uh, uh, Bible teaching on, on Wednesday night from this very verse. You gave me a note with a pen. I still have it in my office. I look at it a lot. It says this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Amen? Come on now. For freedom. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Now listen, here's the next part. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Who the Son has set free is free indeed. Amen. And Paul is saying this. Leave the past in the past and stand firm in your new freedom. Don't go back to the way things used to be. Don't go back to what you think is comfortable. Uh, you know, I, I love that. Here's, here's how you say it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to sin because I am a child of God. I love that song. Amen. How about this? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am a new creation. I don't look like what I used to look like. I'm not stuck. I'm not, I don't have an addiction because Jesus set me free. I am saved. I've been transformed by the renewing of my mind. Amen. God had a promised land for Israel. But here's what you need to know. Listen to me. When you're saved, listen, sometimes you got to walk through a wilderness before you get to that promised land. And you need to understand that there's some bumps in that wilderness. And there's some things that are going to happen in that wilderness that are, that are going to make you want to turn back and look back and say, man, it was easier back then. So how, how do we do that? How, how, do I, how do I walk this thing out? How do we do that? How do we, how do, we do that? Further in, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says this. Paul says this. Remember he said, hey, stand, in, stand firm in the freedom that Christ has given you. So look at this. In verse 16, he says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Everyone say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Come on, read it. Say it again, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do you, how do you live an overcoming life? you got to follow the Spirit's leading in your life. Amen? And Jesus, he addressed this beautifully in Luke chapter 9, talking about looking back. Verse 62, he said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God of God. He's saying, don't look back. Don't look back. Keep your eyes focused on what God has for you. Everyone say, leave the past behind. Here's number two. Here's number two right here. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, here, here's the thing. The truth is, it's easier to believe God will do a miracle or the supernatural thing in your life if God would put a blueprint out in front of you and show you exactly what steps to take, right? 
It doesn't take a lot of trust to follow a blueprint, right? I can't even say it. But if we were to have a builder come in and say, hey, we need you to build something here at the church, you know, I would want them to have a blueprint because, you know, if they just built it on their own, it may not be right. But here's the thing. When God does something, it is always right. It's always right. If, I, if we say this, if I could just see the steps, Lord, I could trust you. Lord, if, if you could just show me the next step, I could trust you. I could take this step of faith, Lord. I could, I could give to the offerings, Lord. I could do this, Lord, if I knew that there was more money coming in. How many know that does not take faith? Come on, somebody. Not very many people will start a, a trip blindly without knowing the route or the destination, but that's what walking with faith looks like, and that's what it feels like. Is I, I don't know where I, I don't know all the details, but hey, I know I'm going somewhere. Let me give you a good example. How many of you guys have GPS on your phone or in your car? All right, GPS, uh, Google Maps. You know, I, I was I was looking at this. Google Maps says that over 60% of its users use GPS at least once a week. How many of you use GPS at least once a week? All right, just a few of you. Boy, we're, we're low down here, huh? We're low down here. Uh, there's so many back roads back here. You need GPS on some of these back roads. I've been lost on a few of them, right? But here's what, this is interesting. GPS stats uh, say that two out of every five drivers drive dangerously to beat the time the GPS says it will take. Now, how many do that? It's a challenge. I'm guilty of that. You know what? This is what I say. It says, you will arrive at 534. Challenge accepted, GPS. I will drive dangerously, illegally, just to prove a point. I told you, right? One out of five drivers say that they've never used a paper map and wouldn't know how to. You guys feel old yet? <laughs> how is it that... Let me ask you this question. How is it, listen to me, how is it that we will trust our GPS so quickly, but when it comes to the Lord, we fight him? You know what I do when I'm going somewhere? I punch the address in, put my phone down, turn left, turn right, get in the right lane, right? And here's the deal. Most of us never actually look at the route of the GPS. We just trust that it's taking us the right direction. Come on, right? But GPS, one time I, 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 my friend in Texas, he said, can you take our, it was at the end of camp, he said, can you take the camp speaker to the airport? He needs to fly out. Got to leave at such, such time. I'm like, yeah. He goes, just take my truck. And uh, he had a, a, a Chevrolet truck, and it had OnStar. I, I, I've never owned a Chevy. I'll just leave that right there. But anyways, and so I hit the OnStar button, and I was like, hey, I need directions to DFW Airport because I was living in Texas at the time. And, uh, and so we took off, and I'm, I'm following the GPS just blindly because it's telling me where to go. And this is, this is crazy. This is the craziest thing. And so I'm driving, and, and I knew Dallas, but I didn't know Dallas well. And I'm going to DFW Airport, and uh, how many has ever been to DFW Airport? Okay, it's a big airport, and there is a, it has its own toll road in the middle of the airport that, that traffic can flow through. And I'm trying to get to that, that toll road. I know that much that there's a toll road. Well, in the process, I'm talking to this camp speaker. We're just having a good old time. And the next thing I know, uh, you know, it's telling me to go right. And I get in, and, and there I am. I pull up to this office building, and it said DFW International Airport Offices. 
I could see the airport, but I was like, man, this is not right. And, and we, I began to think, well, how do I get back on track? How do I, I, I know I can see the airport, but I don't know how to get, and I don't trust this GPS now, so I'm not going to go back, backtrack and try to, and so I began to, to try to get on that toll road, and I found myself on the outer road, okay, on the outer road of the toll road where all the buses were. I wasn't supposed to be there. And, and I saw this bus, and he turned in to, to get on the toll road, and there was a, like one of those blocker things, and it stopped, and it went up, and he went past it, and I was like, I'm going to sneak in with this guy right now. Don't do what pastor does, okay? And, and I thought, I'm going to do this. And that bus driver hit the brakes and stopped and let that arm go down. I said, what are you doing? You're killing me. I was like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to. And, he, and, and the guy with me, he's like, man, I, my flight, I'm, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm like, okay. And so I'm driving down the road, and there I am. I see the toll road, and I'm just going down the road. And I look, and I was like, you know what? There's grass here. It's flat. Don't do what pastor does. And I said, hold on. <laughs> On the toll road, right? I, 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 just an honest truth story. True story. And, and, and I, I remember thinking, man, I'm going to get a ticket. I know I'm going to get a ticket. I know I'm going to get in trouble. I know I'm on some, I know that they've got me on video somewhere somehow. And it's crazy. I dropped him off, and, and he made his flight, which is great. And I'm leaving. And as soon as I'm leaving, I'm going down the road to leave the toll road. And they're wondering, how did you get on this toll road without go, getting a ticket? Well, I don't know how that happened exactly. But anyways, uh, but as I'm passing, as I'm passing uh, where I Went through, the, went through the grass. There was a cop just parked right there. And I thought, man, that is just crazy. Thank you for God's grace, right? But, hey, hey man. But, but GPS, GPS doesn't always get it right. But can I tell you something? Jesus always gets it right. Always gets it right. Always. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I was driving by faith, not by what I saw. GPS is, is concerned about two things, and you've heard me say this before. You know, GPS is concerned about where you are and where you're going. Two things. Can I tell you something? Jesus Christ is concerned about where you are, and he's concerned about where you're going. I, I love that. I know I'm here on earth, and I know my destination is, is an eternity with Jesus Christ, okay? I'm here right now, and there may be many turns along the way, that, different things that God may bring me through, but my ultimate destiny is to be within eternity with Jesus Christ, amen? So, so what, do I, what, uh, what I do not know is all the turns and the twists and the bumps and the road and the, and the many things that will happen and, and the times that you'll have to cut across the, the grass to get to the toll road, right? But I do know this, that Jesus Christ will be there with me, leading me and guiding me all the way. Amen? Oh, it's putting your faith in Jesus and saying, Jesus, take the wheel, right? Amen. Jesus, take the wheel. So here's what happened. The Israelites, when they, were, when they simply trusted the Lord in the wilderness, a section of their journey, this is what God did for them. When they were hungry, he provided food for them. Right? When they were thirsty, he provided water for them. And, and, and this is interesting. He provided for them. He, he covered them. He gave them a, night, a light by night, and he gave them the cloud by day and protection. 
And they, uh, were they perfect at following the Lord? Not even in the slightest. They missed it pretty bad at some moments. But God is gracious and God is long-suffering. Here's what I know on this journey in this wilderness. You're going to make some turns and sometimes you're going to make some bad turns and God's going to be like, hey, you need to get back on track here. You need to turn back. See, there was a, uh, see, there were bumps in the road and, and, and that they never expected. There was lack of water. They were free from Egypt, but there was lack of water and food and provision. And God met their needs. At some points, they even turned to idol worship, right? And God corrected them. And, and God allowed them to repent. And there was, there was a schism or a divide in the people of Israel. That some of them were upset with Moses and the leadership. And God, listen, God swallowed up Korah and the 250 people that were, that were struggling with the leadership that Moses was doing. Swallowed them up in the earth. They missed God's timing to move into the promised land, right? Remember, they went and, and ten spies came back and said, no way. And two said, hey, we can take this land. And they missed God's timing. Listen to me. If you complain and if you murmur, listen to me, you will miss God's timing. Grumbling and lack of faith kept them in the wilderness longer. So truth is, is uh, we can't control our lives all the time. There's, there's just some things. The guy that was with me in the truck, he couldn't control his life. I was taking him on a ride, getting to DFW, however we had to get there, right? And sometimes there's situations that happen. A friend betrays you. Anybody ever been betrayed by a friend? Or your spouse hurts you. Come on, somebody. Or a family member abandons you. Oh, I got another one for you. Or a church leader offends you. There's these things that happen, and sometimes we cannot insulate ourselves from every potentially bad or damaging situation in life. Sometimes there's things like health crises, right? Money crisis, relationship crisis. Sometimes there are bumps on the journey that we just have to walk through and say, Hey, God, I know you got my best interest. I don't see all the answers, but I know you tell me to go to this point, and then I'll get the next, I'll get the next bit of direction. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I believe this. God's taken me somewhere I've never been, and he's making me a new creation. And sometimes it's tough, and sometimes it's hurt, but I just have to trust him. That's it. Listen to me. That's all you got to do. Why is that so hard? Why do we trust our GPS more than we trust Jesus? I may not see all the direction, but I know he's got me. I can't control what people do to me or hurt me, right? But this is what I can do. I can control how I respond to people who hurt me. Amen? Amen? I can love them. Uh, you know, we get to choose if, whether or not we'll hold on to baggage and say, hey, I'm going to carry this because I'm upset at you. I'm frustrated with you. And every day we get, we get to move forward even if the path is unknown. So, so the truth is some of us trust our GPS more than we do the Lord. Can I tell you something? The GPS is temporal. God is eternal. You need to get that in your heart. GPS is temporal, but God is eternal. He's got your best interest at heart. Amen. In the six verses leading up to verse 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. Paul reminds us that our bodies here on earth are tents. You know you're a Coleman tent. That's what you are. That's what Paul says. Our bodies are tents. You know what tents are? Tents are temporary sleeping arrangements. They're not made for the long haul. 
you know, we're on this earth for, uh, you know, 80 years, some of us longer, you know, 100 years, 160, some of us. No, okay, no one's that, that old. But, but some of us, uh, you know, we, we're on this earth, and our bodies are temporal. And some of you say, I know that, Pastor. I hear that in my, I hear that right now. Some of you got up this morning, and you were croaking and cracking when you got out of bed, right? Some of you are at the place in your life where you're worried about bunions, bifocals, and baldness. Amen? My tense hair is falling out, right? My, <laughs> oh, anyways, all right. Some of us get scared when we look at our tent in the mirror in the morning, right? Whoa, Dad, I didn't know you were there. Good to see you, right? Moms, good to see you. Uh, but the, the Bible, but what Paul says, he, he continues on and he says this, we have a building from God. He says, we're tents here on earth, but we have a building from God. And that is eternal. I want to say that's eternal. And it's not built by human hands. So look at this. In verse, verses 1 through 6 of, of, of 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is saying this. Uh, he's, there's a lot, but there's a lot he's saying, but I'll sum it up for you. This world is not your home. You're just passing through. Amen. You're in this wilderness moment right now, and God is taking you somewhere. We'll be home with the Lord. Amen. So, so, oh, so we have to trust him. We have to look forward and not backwards, and we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Here's the last one. The best is yet to come. Everyone say the best is yet to come. Come on, worship team. Come on down. Uh, the best is yet to come. Uh, you know, it's like it reminds me of those infomercials, you know. We're going to give you this, this, this. But wait, there's more, right? And if you order right now, we'll give you 15 of these and three of those, and right? There's more. You know what? Can I tell you something? I don't know where everyone is at spiritually in this house. I know there are some very mature saints in this house, and there are some baby saints in this house. But can I tell you this, uh, that, that God is not done with you yet. You need to get that in your heart. I'll never forget the, the excitement and the anticipation uh, when um, we found out that we were having Zaylee. I, I love my, our boys too, okay? I, I'm not, not that I wasn't excited when they were born too, but I'll never forget when we found out that we were having, having Zaylee, and I was so excited that, that she was going to be born. I couldn't believe that I was going to be a dad, and, and, and I'll never forget the, 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 in the middle of the night, you know, Tristan woke me up. She said, babe, it's time, and, and I, I was ready to go. I was going to be super dad, right? And I got up, and I ran around the house, and I was grabbing all the bags, and I had everything, and we got to the front door, and I went to unlock the door to go out to the car, and I looked at Tristan, and I said, I need to sit down. I don't feel good. She's over there going, because I, I did. I, I mean, I got up too fast, and, and but I was, there was, there was an anticipation about her coming, and I was excited about it. Matter of fact, I did not. I'm, I did fall asleep at the at the at the hospital. I'm sorry, Tristan. I, I did. You know. You know. My carnality got the best of me there. My 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 tent was tired. All right. Um, but but I'll I'll never forget. As believers, as believers, we have an eternity in paradise with God, Jesus, and all the saints ever before us. And you know what? That's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. It is. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, you, I can give you all the self-help things and all this and tell you how to get through this life. You know what the best thing you can do? Fix your eyes on Jesus and what's next. 
you won't be bothered by the things of this world when you fix your eyes on Jesus and what, what's going to happen. Because you'll begin to realize, hey, this thing right here that we're living is temporal, but where we're going is eternal. Amen? Amen. I, I love this. So look at this. This is why we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who set the example and went before us. The book of John tells us that Jesus has a room prepared for us in his Father's house. You know he has a room with your name on it? Amen? I love that. Sure, sure, get excited about your birthday. Get excited about your retirement, your wedding, having babies, whatever, vacation. But listen to me, they will pale in comparison to what's going to happen when we see Jesus. Amen? Come on now. I promise. I'm almost done here. Listen to me. But here's the deal. Many of us still fall trapped. We get bogged down by the baggage that life keeps throwing at us. You know why? Because we keep looking back at the past. We're focused in the on the mirror instead of uh, 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 what's to the, to the windshield. So, um, you know, just like what I said last week, you, you got to let things go, and you just got to keep moving forward. That's it. There's some twists. There's some plot changes, right? I could not have predicted my life when me and Tristan got married because I would have said it would have went a whole, a whole different direction. But can I tell you something? I love where God has taken me. It's even better than what I ever thought it could be. I love that. And so I've learned to trust in him. And, and, and here's the thing. Live today with the anticipation that the best is yet to come. So real fast, real fast. I want to give you a conclusion here. Real fast. Listen to me. God took a group of about 3 million slaves. Listen to me. Listen to my words carefully. God took a group of about 3 million slaves, brought them out of bondage, and turned them into nomads in the wilderness. Right? For 40 years they were there, and they wandered in the wilderness. And then there was a point that they entered the promised land and eventually became a nation from slaves to nomads to a nation God keeps his promises did they have some hiccups along the way absolutely absolutely and the Israelites they're a picture for us as, uh, of them being slaves in Egypt is a picture of sin and it had them bound and can I tell you something because of Jesus work on the cross and the resurrection nothing this world can bind you in Jesus' name if you believe on him. He made us a new creation. All right? Listen to me. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what it takes is to confess our sins and believe on Jesus Christ. It's that simple today. Bow your heads with me all across this building. If you're here today and you say, hey, Pastor, I, I, I know I'm a new creation. I know what God says about me. But I believe the lie of the enemy and I, I've looked back, focused on what's behind me. I've struggled with what's behind me. If that's you, would you just lift your hand? No one looking around, please. Just take a moment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hands going up everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. If you're here, there's another group. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, 
I want to invite you to, to the best relationship you'll ever have. Listen, I turned to Jesus years ago, and I will never turn back away from you. Listen, it's the best decision you'll ever make. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And he justifies us. He makes us as if we never, ever sinned in the first place. It's how he looks at us. If you're here today and say, hey, Pastor, I, I need to know Jesus as my personal Savior. Would you lift your hand, anybody in the building? Just take just a few moments here. I won't keep you long. Just a few moments as we tarry and wait. I always want to give someone an opportunity to know Jesus. Matter of fact, in John chapter 20, it, it, it tells the story of Thomas, doubting Thomas. We know doubting Thomas, right? And, and he would not believe the resurrection uh, was, was real until he saw the nail scars and, and the place where, where the spear had penetrated Jesus' side. So a week after, look, look, this is how good God is. A week after, Jesus appears to him and says, Thomas, put your finger here in my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Listen to me. Some of you need to stop doubting and believe. Really, when I think about that interaction, I think, man, that is so awkward. It is so, that is so weird. Jesus told him to do the very thing that he needed to do in order to believe. Stop doubting and believe. And then Jesus would say this, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and I today. That's you and I today. Say, hey, I, I've never seen Jesus. You're in good company because I've never seen him either. But I believe and I know that he's real today. Listen to me. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, I want to give you that invitation one more time. Anybody in the house, as I wait just a moment, anybody in the house, just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Anybody in the house. All right. Stand with me all across this building. Here's the challenge for us today. Those who raise their hand and say, hey, I, I've been looking back. This is what we need to do. Number one, believe in Jesus. Everyone say, believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus in spite of our past. Don't worry about our past. Don't worry about that, but believe on Jesus. Our trauma, our pain, our disappointments, leave them back there. In spite of unknowns. Hey, there's things that will happen in this. Despite, just believe, keep your eyes fixed on him. How many want to be a new creation today? Amen. Let me pray with you today. If you... If you, uh, just, everyone just lift your hand in this house. God, I pray today, God, a special blessing upon this house. God, I remind us, Lord, what it is to be a new creation, Lord. If you can take a nation of slaves, God, that were slaves, God, and transform them, Lord, into a, a, a nation, God. You can take a, 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 a sinner like me, God, and you can turn me around. God, I may not know all the details, and I may have to take some steps of faith. But, God, I trust you through the process. I don't always understand why, but, God, I trust you regardless of what it looks like. God, I know that you are faithful. God, you are doing a new thing in our midst. And he has something here in the present and, again, for the future. Some of you have been looking in the past. Can I tell you something? Fix your eyes forward on Jesus Christ. Stop worrying about the last trauma. Stop worrying about the past pain. He, I, uh, learn from those lessons and take a step of faith and move away from those things. God is preparing a place for us in eternal home. Choose to walk in freedom. Amen. Amen. Man, if you receive that word today, if you receive that word today, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise.